on with our sermon series on our core values. So we have nine core values here at New Philadelphia Church. The first one is be extravagant in worship. Now, if you notice, some of our, our church members, when we worship, we don't care who looks at us. You know, we don't care who's checking us out. We don't care, you know, what we look like in front of people. We only care how we look to our God. Amen? And it's not our physical appearance that we want to portray, but it's our heart. We have a heart of extravagant worship, you know? And so, you know, when we worship here at New Philly, we worship extravagantly. We worship like, like you know, we are actually in the throne room of God, and we're giving God our praise. So that's our first core value, be extravagant in worship. Our second core value was a freedom is for everyone. You know, we believe it's not just for the Christians, not just for people that are saved, but it's for everybody. You know, everybody deserves, it's a, it's a right to be free. So when we look at justice causes, when we see like the sex trade industry, we see places like Thailand where they have, you know, these streets upon streets of brothels and girls being tricked and duped into prostitution. We believe that even every single person in this world deserves freedom. I mean, and so when we look at North Korea and we pray and we contend for North Korea because we believe that freedom is for everyone. We also, our third core value is father the fatherless. You know, uh, it's investing into the life of, of, of another person. You know, it's about discipleship and, and investing. And it's about uh, uh, a fathering. You know, in this, in this age, God is calling for fathers. You know, God wants fathers to rise up. He doesn't want employees of the church. You know I mean, he doesn't want you to take a salary. And, of course, if you're a pastor, you, you get paid. But, you know, I don't get paid. But, you know, like most pastors, they get paid. No, I'm not saying that, but, you know... Like, they want fathers. They want the heart of that pastor to be a, a heart of a father. You know what I'm talking about? You know, so that we, we believe that. And it's not just with the, 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 the leaders of the church. It's not just with the, the pastors or the chandos named or the deacons. It's with everybody in the church. You are called to father, the fatherless. The people that you have under you, your students, you know, your friends, the people that you meet, you're, there to, you're called to father the fatherless. And our fifth core value is anointing flows from the top down. It's about submission to authority. Uh, yeah, you know, we are in di- direct relationship with our God, and, and we can hear from Him directly, but He also sets spiritual authorities in our lives so that they can speak into your lives the things that you don't want to hear. You know, when I hear, the, when I pray to God, sometimes I'd be like, God, oh, I know you love me, you know, and you love me, I love you, that's all good, but then sometimes you might, I might be doing something wrong, you know, and, 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 and I might not have that clarity to see that in my life, but then the set man, the person that God places over you, as your spiritual authority, God, God gives them that authority to check you on that, to rebuke you, you know, to call you out on certain things. You know, and then you need to submit to the authority of the, of the people that God places over in your life. So, and, and it all flows through honor. It flows through honoring your authorities and honoring the people that are below you as well. That's, that's our fifth core value. Anointing flows from the top down. Uh, that's our sixth core value is roll with the punches. You know, it's, uh, it, it means that uh, you know, we roll with, what, we roll with the, the flow of the Spirit. We go with the flow of the Holy Spirit. You know, we believe in structure. When we structure uh, our church, we believe we're very structured church. You know, we have, we have uh, and we believe that is, structure is very important, but we never let structure go ahead of the Spirit. And we believe that the Holy Spirit, you know, we might have structure, but if the Holy Spirit wants to do something else, we follow the leading of the Spirit. Like last, last week, Pastor Christian was down here, and man, he preached for like an hour and 15 minutes. And I remember after one hour, I was like looking at my watch. I was like, man. But, but I was like, man, when's it going to end? You know? But, uh, but, but our hearts are, are, weren't one of like, oh, we need to be structured. Our, we have reservations at 430. You know, like we got to go. 
But we, we, we went with the leading of the Holy Spirit. We went with the leading of, 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 of how the, flow, the Spirit was flowing. A lot of people were ministered to that day. And we believe that we roll with the punches. Uh, supernatural is a natural. Uh, we believe in a supernatural God. He's still a God of miracles, signs, and wonders. And we believe that those supernatural works that Jesus did when he was here on this earth never ended. Didn't stop when he went up to heaven, but continues on through us today. So we pray for people. We pray for healing. Pray for miracles, signs, and wonders. And the eighth, and the eighth core value today, I'm going to be preaching on that, is contend for the kingdom. Everybody say, contend for the kingdom. Contend for the kingdom. For the kingdom. Okay, I want us to return your Bibles to Matthew 6.10. It's a very famous passage. And in Matthew 6, 10, in Matthew 6, we see Jesus teaching us how to pray. You know, like, you know, Jesus, how, how should we pray, you know? And he teaches us how to pray. And, and this is a famous, the famous, the Lord's Prayer that we've all probably said many times. We probably have it memorized. But in it, in verse 10, it says, Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want, us, I want all of you guys to say that with me one, one time. One, one, two, three. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen. You know, and when we look at our core value, contend for the kingdom, we have to first look at the word kingdom. Okay. And when Jesus started his ministry, the first thing that he said was, repent. For the kingdom of God is near. And what does this kingdom mean, mean for you? you, know, when, you when he says, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. What do you think the kingdom is? Do you think the kingdom is the church? So repent, for the church is near. For the universal church is here, repent. What does the kingdom mean to you? And I want to give you a simple definition of what the word kingdom is. The definition that I want to give you is kingdom. King. Dumb. Dumb is dominion. So it's the king's dominion. Okay, kingdom is the king's dominion. Kingdom of God is the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the king of kings, amen? And he is the king over our lives, amen? And in so, the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. And when you look at the thousands of years of human history, there was a dominion over this earth. There was dominion over this earth. But, you know, the, the ruling party, it wasn't the kingdom of God, but it was the kingdom of Satan. It's the kingdom of darkness. You know, and through sin, through the sin of man, sin entered the, the earth, came into the earth, and, and the devil was able to establish his rule and reign over this earth. Okay? It's through the lies and deception and destruction and death, you know, and any means necessary, Satan, the devil, has been asserting his rule over this earth and all of mankind. And it's through the agreement of people. I mean, it's not like Satan didn't have this power to just take over. Like, hey, I'm Satan. I'm going to take over. No, but Because originally, the dominion of this earth belonged to us. God gave it to us. We, we are the rightful rulers of this earth. I mean, he gave us the dominion. But through sin and through deception, Satan came and he took the dominion from man. I mean... It was through the agreement of man that, that Satan was able to have his dominion. No, and the protocol of spiritual coming into connection with, with the spiritual things of, of 
whether it's heaven or whether it's, whether it's Satan, any kind of spiritual connection that there is to this world is through our bodies. It's through flesh and blood. I mean, so, you know, last, a couple of weeks ago, we had some IHOP speakers come, and they, they came and ministered to us. And Alan Hood, a very, very famous minister from IHOP in Kansas City, he came and he was talking, and he gave us his teaching about how, how important our bodies are, how important our uh, what we're made of, how important this is. We Sometimes we focus so much on our spirit and our soul that we forget how important our bodies actually is. Our bodies is the connection between heaven and earth. I mean, con- heaven is connected to this earth. It's not connected to this earth through like the beach or the sand or the rocks. It's not connected through to this earth uh, through my dog Nugget. You know, it's connected to this earth through us. We're the vessels that carry the Holy Spirit. And through us, heaven is, is connected to this earth. I mean, And we're the carriers of this Holy Spirit himself. And in the same way, the protocol is always flesh and blood. And whether it's God or whether it's Satan, okay, in order for any work to be established upon this earth, you know, any work or any kind of stronghold to be established on this earth, it requires flesh and blood. It requires our, our agreement. So in the case of Satan, it requires him tempting somebody like Eve and Adam, you know, Adam and Eve, into bringing sin into this world. You know, Satan really has no power aside from our earthly bodies, you know, our ears, our minds. Okay, but be, beyond that, you know, like he can't like pick up this guitar and then like flinging across the room at my gal and like knock her on the head and she dies. You know, Satan doesn't have that power. In the in scary movies, you know, we we, we kind of want to show that, like you know, like Satan, like like the the demon, like picking things up and throwing like knives flying in the air and all that. That's like horror movies. But in real life, Satan doesn't have that power. He can't. Like, you know, he can't shoot a gun. He can't stab us. You know, he uses temptations. He uses man to, to commit these things. So, like, in the case of, like, you know, dictators, you know, Satan whispers into the ears of the dictators all these lies, all this deception in order for him to rise up to power and then just, like, kill all these people and bring genocide into a nation. I mean, it wasn't Satan himself physically killing all the Jews during the Holocaust, but he used one man. He used the mind of one man to do that. You know, in that same way, it requires Satan to tempt us uh, to establish his rule and reign over this earth. You know, the protocol is always flesh and blood. And in the thousands of years before Jesus Christ, there was his dominion, but it wasn't the king's dominion. And during that time, God was always giving us clues. You know, he was giving us clues of this coming kingdom. Through prophecy, it talks about who will come. The Prince of Peace, you know, the, 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 the king that will reign with the iron scepter, the king you know, that stands on a throne of, of righteousness and justice. You know, prophecy was always pointing you know, throughout the ages. He was always pointing about this kingdom coming, this kingdom coming. And when, his, when God's son finally came to this earth, when he started his ministry and the Holy Spirit came upon him with power I mean, and anointed him and baptized him, that's when the message went out. That's when the message started to go out. Repent for the kingdom of God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Where there is darkness, where the kingdom of darkness is asserting its power, this kingdom comes to collide with that kingdom. And in that collision, the kingdom of heaven always wins. Amen? Always wins. The kingdom of heaven has already won. You know? And so, you know, in the word kingdom, contend for the kingdom... What does that mean for us? What does that mean 
in, in our life, when we contend for the kingdom, what does that mean for us? Well, contend, basically in the dictionary, is defined as to strive in opposition against difficulties, to struggle, to battle, to struggle in rivalry. You know, the boxing is a clear example of contending. You know, like in boxing and in many fighting sports, there's a number one contender. I'm talking about a number one contender, which is the fighter next in line to go against the champ. I mean, so if you have a champ, you know, the number one contender would be the person that has proven himself, you know, like for, for all throughout the, there's a line of people that want to fight, you know, say I'm the champ, I'm champ, I got my belt, you know, there's a line of people waiting for me to fight me because they want to take me down, you know, they want to take my championship. And then the number one contender is the one that is, that is in line next to contend and fight for this championship. You know, like Manny Pacquiao, he has, he has many contenders, he has many belts, and there's always somebody out wanting to take his belt to contend for it. The one thing that you have to know about contenders is they know where their place is. If you're a contender, you know. If you're the number one contender, you know that you are the number one contender. I don't know why. You're not like, you don't like, oh, I think I'm the, am I the number one contender? I think I'm the number fourth contender. Or maybe there's people better than me up there. But it's if you're the number one contender, you know that you're the number one contender. You know that you have proven yourself and you have you have fought your way up the ranks and you've come to a place where you can actually contend for this championship. And in the spiritual realm, we are contenders. And yes, we need to train ourselves spiritually. We need to train ourselves in the Word of God. We need to train ourselves in prayer. But our right to contend for the kingdom doesn't come from our abilities. It comes from the work of Christ that He did on the cross. Because of Christ, what he did on the cross, we become number one contenders. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are number one contenders. And you know what? We know where we stand. It's not because, you know, I did this many quiet times this week, and I prayed this many times, and I gave this much an offering. No! It's because of what Christ did on the cross. You are a number one contender. You know, contend means to really go after something, to stand up for it. To not just give up, to, to be in resolve, you know, to contend for that title, to contend for that medal, for that gold medal. Not the bronze, the gold. Yeah, yeah. Contend for that Super Bowl ring. <laughs> I mean, Indianapolis Colts. I'm a Colts fan. Now, contend. I'm not an Eagles fan. No, I am a son, but you know, I really hate the Eagles. Pastor Christian, he's from Philadelphia. He's like, Eagles, Eagles, Eagles. Michael Vick sucks. He gets injured all the time. I hope he hears this. He's probably not going to hear it. He's probably not going to listen to my message, but you guys tell him that I said that. You know, you contend, you fight for it. And as God's people, we are called to contend. Okay, we are called to contend for the kingdom of God. Now, we're, we're not called to be content with what we have. We're not supposed to see this world as it is. And be content with it. You know, like, you know what? It's always been that way. You know, those people has always been under oppression. But those people, you know, they don't, they, they don't, they're, they're just, they're just, they're just like that. You know, I can't, I can't help it. I'm just going to be content with what's out there and be happy with what God gives me. But the Bible doesn't teach that. I mean, Jesus never taught that. Jesus teaches us to contend for the kingdom of God. He calls us to be fighters. You know, we see this in the Lord's Prayer like we read earlier. 
It says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on, on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. So when we pray this, we say, Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you see, is it, has it been done? No? So you pray again. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Has it been done? And then it doesn't happen. You're like, no, I give up. I tried, God. I tried. Your kingdom didn't come. It's not my fault. I'm, I'm just going to move on to something else. You know, we're not supposed to pray like that. But we pray knowing that the kingdom of God will come. And when we say your kingdom come, you know, a lot of us, we believe that, you know, when we pray this prayer, we believe that, that your kingdom come, your will be done. It's like a day, this day when Jesus comes back. Uh, as an evangelical, evangelical, when I went to a Presbyterian church growing up, when we would pray that prayer, it was always like, your kingdom come, your will be done. And your kingdom come means when God, Jesus comes back and he establishes his kingdom and his rule. But it, that's not the way it is. You know, we don't just wait around, wait around, wait around, and Jesus comes back and says, oh, here's the kingdom of God, let's, let's go. But it starts when you receive Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God is near, the kingdom of God is within you. The moment you receive Jesus Christ, the hope of glory, that's when the kingdom of God comes upon you. And the rule and reign of the King, Jesus Christ, starts inside of you. It starts inside of your spirit. It starts inside of who you are. It's within you. When Jesus says in Matthew 4.17, He says, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Other translations say, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. He uses this verb called eginken in, eginken in Greek, which means to draw near. Now there's a lot of debate about whether this means whether the kingdom of God is on its way or whether it's, it's arrived. There's a lot of debate over that. But I like to side with the theologians that say that when Jesus is trying to imply with his word, he's saying that the kingdom of God is a progressive in nature. That it has come, but it has not been complete. It's, te- it's talking about the incipient nature of the kingdom of God. Incipient means it's beginning to happen. Like incipient anger is like this anger that just rise, starts to rise up. You know, like incipient like laughter is like, a, you know, it's like the beginning of laughter. But it's not the full laughter. It's like the beginning of laughter. That's what it is. The, it's the incipient nature of the kingdom of God. It's, it's beginning to happen. It hasn't been completed. It's going to get completed when Jesus comes back. But it's, the, it's, this, it's this beginning to happen. It starts the beginning to happen through you. It's in you. And it ultimately will culminate into its full establishment when Christ comes back. And the king's rule and reign. Once it's in you, okay, it's in you. It's not supposed to just remain in you. That's what the, Jesus when he's saying this, he doesn't want you to just hold on to the kingdom of God. He wants it. He wants you to establish in the world around you, in the lives of your family, in the lives of your your friends, in your schools, in your city, in your nature. Spread the rule and reign of Jesus Christ in this world, which is being controlled by the rule of Satan. the The kingdom of God is in you, so that you can collide, and you can contend for this world. For the kingdom of God, for the kingdom of heaven, against the kingdom of Satan. In opposition to darkness around you. In opposition to the rule of the devil. It happens through you. And you have to contend for it. And it, it means not giving up. It means not, not just, just saying, alright, I, I did my best, God. And what else can I do? And just giving up. But it means going after it. Fighting for it until there is victory. And you know that the victory is always he- already here. 
You know, the, the analogies that I use in, in, as the, in, the bo- in the boxer analogy, a number one contender going into a championship fight has no doubt in his mind that he's going to win. I'm talking about? You, you never have a number one contender that go like, oh, am I the number one contender? Well, I'm, I'm sure he's better than me. So but I'm just going to try my best. Uh, he, he's the champion, so he's probably better than me. I'm just going to go in there and throw as many punches as I can and see if I win. You know, you don't have that. You know, that, that dude's going to get his butt kicked. You know, he's going to get knocked out. But a number one contender goes into a fight knowing that he's going to win. You know what I'm talking about? He knows. I'm going to win. I'm the number one contender. Ain't nobody better than me. I'm going to fight. I'm going to win. That's the mentality that a number one contender has. And when we contend for the kingdom, that's what we have to do. We have to have a heart knowing that the victory is not in us. It's already in Christ Jesus. And he's already won. Now, that's the mentality that we have when we contend for the kingdom of God. And I, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie The Warrior. Who's, who's seen the movie Warrior about the MMA fighter? Man, it, it, everybody that did not watch this movie, I, I encourage you to go get it on iTunes and, and watch that joint. It is good. <laughs> and I remember I watched it, and I cried. I, everybody else cried. But it's, it's about the reason why I think it wasn't that popular it's because it's about mixed martial arts, like MMA, so like like ultimate fighting. And so I, it's not as it's not like glamorous as boxing is. Like boxing's been around since like Greco-Roman days. It's been around. People have been boxing for centuries. MMA's been around for about 30 years, 20 years. So it's not that popular. I think that's the reason why it wasn't very like well received by the by the movie going community. But it's a great movie. And it's about it's about these these two brothers. You know, they they're they're separated when they're younger, and then they they both become mixed martial arts fighters. And they start training, you know, separately, you know, doing their own thing. And you see the lives, and they all come together in this huge championship called Sparta, you know. But, <laughs> but, but if you look at one of the brothers, is the older brother. He's like the school teacher. You know, he's a he's a physics teacher in high school, you know. And then and because uh, he he's you know his family is going through some tough times financially. His daughter had like cancer or something like that. All these medical bills, and so uh, you know he 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 has to start fighting on the side, you know, like at these like you know like these these bootleg like fighting things you know just to go and and make some money and then and then he gets uh, what happens is like he gets caught and now he like he 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 the only way he can make money is fighting now because he got kind of like got fired from his teaching job for being a mixed martial arts fighter and so what happens is he starts training he starts training and then he realizes that like this this tournament that he's a contender like he feels like in his no nobody else thinks that he's he's a contender but in his in his mind in his heart, he knows that he's a contender. And so he starts training. He starts training under this one dude you know, that looks like Adam Levine. I don't know what, what his name is, but he starts training. He starts training, and then he, he, he actually gets a, a, a chance to f- a compete in this tournament. And he's like, this, he's like, the, he's like the, 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 the lowest odds. Nobody believes in him. They call him the physics teacher. He's just like, there's nobody like, thinks that he's going to win. But in his mind, even his wife, he's like, no, you're going to get yourself killed. What are you thinking? But in his mind and in his spirit, in his heart, he knows that he can win. He knows that he's a contender. And he starts fighting. He starts, start, you know, like he getting his butt kicked. He getting like, you know, these big guys are beating him down. And all of a sudden, he goes and he just wins. And he goes on to the next guy and he wins. You know, and, 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 and when you look at his mentality, he's a, it's, a, it's a mentality of a winner. You know what I mean? He, in his mind, when he started training, he knew that he was a winner. Everybody else didn't think so, but he knew that he was a winner. And in the same way, when we contend for the kingdom of God, we have to know that we have already won. Amen. We have to know that the, the victory is already had. We already have it. 
So we might be going against some crazy obstacle, some crazy opponent, but we, you got to know that you are already victorious. And that defeated mindset needs to be gone. It's a good movie. You guys check it out. Man. I remember we watched it. I watched it a few times with my wife. And we invited uh, Pastor John Newfeld and his wife, Pastor Anita. They came over to our house. And at first, they were just all, oh, it's kind of slow. And at the end, Anita was like, <laughs> like, I've never seen her cry that hard before. But she was crying like, you know, it's very emotional. Man, I cried. I admit, dude, I cried. It's a good movie. Yeah, come on, man. <laughs> but as God's people, we need to contend for his kingdom. And New Philly, you know, we contend for things. We contend for the, 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 the fall of North Korea, for the regime, the communist regime to fall. We, we contend for the concentration camps to be shut down. And we've been doing this for about five years now. You know, God, God really spoke a word to Pastor Christian for about five years. We've been really contending for North Korea, to, for, for, for reunification to happen, for freedom to break out in North Korea. And, 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 you know, we've been contending. North Korea hasn't changed much. You know, there's things that are shifting, but in the natural, we haven't seen much change. But it doesn't mean that we're going to give up. You know, like two years, after we started praying, like maybe three years ago, you know, if we had, you know, we had all night prayer meetings, we would fast, you know, we would fast for like 21 days. And after we fasted for 21 days and we prayed and nothing happened, you know, did we just say like, ah, forget this. I'm going to start praying about Somalia or some other country. No. no, we pray for Somalia, but we, we, we don't stop contending for North Korea because God gave it, you know, He gave us that, this country to pray for, and we're going to keep contending. That's the heart of a contender. No, whether it takes five years, 10 years, 30 years, we're going to keep contending. You know, on a side note, I just want to make it clear that you need to contend for the kingdom and not for your selfish desires. No. Now, like Noble gets his revelation one day. It's it's rosy. I got it. It's rosy. Thanks, God. And he goes and asks Rosie out, and she says no. It's like, oh Lord, I know you. He, she said no, but I'm gonna keep contending. I'm gonna contend for the kingdom. God, he, he keeps praying and praying. It's rosy, Lord. You know. And you might think it's a, you're contending for the kingdom of God, but maybe it's time that you let it go. Maybe you're not contending for the kingdom, you're contending for your selfish desires. You gotta know that. You know what I mean? And just may, it just may be your selfish desire. You gotta check yourself. But, but, but if it's like salvation for your dad, you know, healing for a friend, revival in your church, revival in your city, revival in your school, for your, for your kids at your, your school, man, you contend. And you contend for the kingdom. You fight. You war. You rage. I mean, that's, that's what contending for the kingdom is. Moving on, I wanna, today I want to give you, uh, be a little practical and give you three areas in which that you can contend for the kingdom. You know, the, these areas, the three areas that you can, you can focus on and you can start applying in your lives today. And the first area in which you can contend for the kingdom is you can contend for the kingdom in your heart. You know, there's a war out there. There's a war going on. But there's also a war going on in here. I'm talking about. And, and, and I'm not saying that, you know, you can't go out and fight the war that's happening out there until you, you know, you, you win the, the war that's going on in here. Because that war that's going on in here is not going to end until Jesus comes back. You know what I'm talking about? And that temptation and you're never going to be set. You, you will get set free. 
But that war that's going on in here, it's going gonna, it's gonna to start raging. But, you know, but I'm on, what I want to tell you is that we have to contend for the rule and reign of Christ in every corner of your heart. Every area of your heart, you gotta, you got to give it up to the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. Every hidden corner, every hidden like speck of crevice in your heart, you got to give it up to the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. And your finances, you know, you need to give your, your finances to the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. You know, some of you guys, you guys are always broke. Like, God, I'm always broke. I guess I'm just supposed to be like this. No, you give it up. You give your finances to the, to the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. On the other side of that coin, you know, like, like you become rich all of a sudden, like Anthony Cobbler goes to K-pop star one day and he wins. <laughs> Man, uh, he's up there singing and he wins a record contract. With JYP, and he started singing, and Korean girls started loving him. And all they started, sorry, sorry, Kelly. I'm just saying. He's married, but you know, he's like, oh, Anthony. He started making all this money. All this, you know, like, like millions and millions of one. Now he wins all this money, man. And you gotta get, you gotta, in that time, man, you gotta give your finances to the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. Make sure that that money doesn't take over your life. You know, in your romantic relationships, you got to give it up to the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. I mean, you might be thinking, you know, I've always done relationships this way. This is just the way I do relationships, God. I'm sorry. But, you know, I'm just going to do my, my romantic relationships this way. And God's gonna, God says, man, I want you to change the way you do romantic relationships. And at that moment, it's up to you. I mean, you got to give up your relationship to the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. You know, some of us are like, yes, Jesus, rule and reign in my heart. I receive you. Into every area but this. Not my finances. Don't. Not my finances. Or not my relationship. Or not this, 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 this trauma that I experienced when I was young. I don't want to let you, you know, I'll give you everything except for these insecurities. Now, I, I want to hold on to these insecurities because, you know, it makes me feel protected in a way. Holding on to this trauma, holding on to this pain, or holding on to this, this that I, I hold, hold fast. But you have to give everything that you are to the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. You have to contend for the kingdom of God to infiltrate the areas of your heart that you feel vulnerable giving up to the Lord. And it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. But it's a pursuit that you can't relent on. Now You might have certain sins in your life that you want to get over and, you, and all of a sudden you're contending and you, you, you fall. doesn't mean that, oh, God, I'm sorry. I always have this sin. And so I guess, you know, you can have all of me, but this sin, I, I just can't do it. No. You contend. You contend until you, you get over that sin, until you get over that obstacle, until you get over that barrier. Contend for the kingdom of the Lord in all of your life. There's a guy named George Verwer in Urbana, with Urbana Conferences. He used to say, if Jesus is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And he's got the definition of Lord means that you give him lordship over every area of your life. You can't be selective. If he's not the Lord of all, he's not the Lord at all. It's a powerful word and it's so true. But it is a progressive thing. It doesn't happen right away. But is the aim of your heart to have be fully open to God? Is the aim of your of your perspective to, to be completely vulnerable to what God has for you? Every corner of your heart open and willing to receive the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God needs to be established in His people. 
If you want the rule and reign of Jesus Christ to go out into the world, it needs to be operating in your heart first. Your heart needs to be manifesting and flowing. The rule and reign of Jesus Christ needs to be coming out of you. Because it's, it's you know, when you, when you fill a, a glass of, of water, a glass, water into a glass, it, it fills it completely. You don't have like, like a little patch in the bottom where the water doesn't get to. I mean, when God pours out His Spirit it, 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 into that cup, every area, every surface area on the inside of that cup is filled with water. And in the same way, every area in the, in the inside of your heart needs to be filled with the, the power of the Holy Spirit. You need to let, it in, let Him into every area of your heart. Uh, the, number two, the second area that you can contend for for the kingdom of God is you can contend for the kingdom of God in power. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says that the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but, a, but of power. The kingdom of God is about power. You know, and Jesus said that before he went up into heaven, he said that you would do greater works than I do. The same spirit that operated in Jesus Christ is operating in you guys. You guys have power. You guys have to understand that. You know, when you watch, I don't know if you guys ever watched like Finger of God and Furious Love, these movies. Uh, it's, 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 they're a great movie. I, I, I'm talking about a lot of movies today, but these are like a, it's movies that are uh, from a Christian documentarian. And he goes out and he just like, like documents these crazy like, like spiritual things that happen throughout the world. These, these mighty people that are moving in miracle signs and wonders. And there's a guy named Todd White. You know, he's an evangelist. He's kind of short, kind of buff. He has a bunch of tattoos. But he, he goes around and he starts praying for people. But he does it in a way that's like very like, like I'm like, how does he do that? You know, he goes up to somebody and he's like, hey, man, how you doing, man? How, yeah. Like, like, you know, he has this gift of word of knowledge. So he's able to, like, know things about people. You know, it's not fortune-telling. It's like the true gift. You know, fortune-telling is a counterfeit of what God established in the word of knowledge. The word of knowledge is truth. And God, it's like God downloading this truth about, like, David right here. Like, like David, like, I meet you for the first time, and I'm like, man, like, like, like I could see you, like, like, uh, he, like, like, teaching people. Like, what do you do for a living? He's like, oh, I'm a teacher. I'm like, wow. Like I see, like I see, like a a brother and a sister. Do you do you have brothers and sisters? Like, yeah, I have a brother and sister. And and Todd White would be like, yeah, I I, I see that you know you're you're going through like a hard time right now. You know, I can see a uh, a lot of a lot of depression. And the guy's like, yeah, I'm really depressed. <laughs> All right? right, And then like in that that's power, you know. And then the the great, you know, and he'll go like, you know what? Let me just pray for you. I pray for him. The guy starts crying, weeping. You know, like he'll go up to people like oh, I see. I see like a pain in your knee. Are you all right in your knee? And he's like, yeah, I fell on my skateboard yesterday. Now I can't move my knee. I'm like, wow, let me pray for that. And he prays and people are, are healed. And it's by the power of God. He, Todd White operates in the power of God. And you know what draws non-Christians to the cross? The quickest is the power of God. Whether you like it or not, it's power. You know, you go to the poorest countries in the world. And I've been to some poor countries on mission trips. But when you go to these poor countries, you see some of these evangelists, these revivalists that are drawing thousands of people. You know, like in Ethiopia, thousands of people come just to get prayer, just to, to do, join in on this worship. And it's because the, the revivalists, they operate in, in miracles, signs, and wonders. They operate in the power of God. You know? Of, of, of healing. You know? Of words of knowledge. You know, like raising people from the dead. Of delivering people from demonic spirits. This is the power of God that draws in the non-Christians. 
And these poor, edu- uneducated people, they, they might not know much, but what, when they see the power manifest, they know that it's real. You know? They know that it's real. Paul says that I came to you not with wise and persuasive words, but in the demonstration of the Spirit's power. Even like analytical thinkers, like scientific people. You know, I know some people like that here in Busan. Uh, very analytical, try to explain everything. But when they see a demonstration of God's power, they start changing the way they think. And we need, as God's people, we need the power of God. I want to tell you how you get this power. Now it comes, you have to contend for it. You have to contend for this power. You don't earn it. You can't earn the power of God. It's not something that you can strive and work for. But you have to contend for it. It comes through the inspiration and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit as He determines. But you have to contend for it. There's a difference between contending and earning. You can't earn a free gift. It's just given to you. But you have to contend for it. You know, the gifts, the gifts of the Spirit is not given out randomly, just willy-nilly, indiscriminately. You know, sometimes it may appear like that's what God's doing. But in the end, it comes through contending for it. You have to go after it, press in for it, hunger for it in faith. And whatever power you receive, you have to move in that gift. Keep contending and moving in that power. Once you, once you use it to minister to other people, you're going to get more of it. You, you, you have to give that power away. You need to move in the gifts that, that God gives you, and you receive more. It needs to flow out of you. Now you, you, you pray for a person, for a headache to, like for a headache to be healed, and that person gets healed, you're like, wow! You don't just stop there. You take that and you go on to somebody else, you pray for more. You pray for greater things. You know, I went out to dinner one time with Matt Anderson back there. The tallest guy I know. And we, we, we uh, a while ago, I think it was around April, we all went out to eat like, you know, AJ was there, I think. We all had to eat barbecue. All you can eat barbecue. Green barbecue, it was, mag- was alright, it was decent. It wasn't that good, but you know, it was all you can eat. You know, so we were eating. And then I remember Matt, he had something in his eye. He it was a very windy day. And he he was like all like itching and he's like he couldn't couldn't see. And like I just I thought that he was really sleepy. Thought like maybe he'd gotten a fight with Soyoung and he was crying. But you know, he, he said so, something in his eye was bothering him and he was like, you know, he was trying everything and then I kinda of prayed for him. You know, and he was like laughing, he's like, oh, okay. I prayed for him. And like a few minutes later he's like, Whoa. Like like something came out. And Wow, like, like it's all better now. And you can tangibly see that, that his eyes are getting better. It's like it was something that just popped out of his eyes. And at that moment, <laughs> at that moment, I chose to believe that, you know, in faith, that, that it, was, it, was, it was God healed him. God healed him. I prayed and God healed him. It was a manifestation of God's power. And, it, and, and in that, I don't just stop there. I just, I contend for more. You know, whenever I see people, you know, when they're sick, we, we pray for them. We contend. Just because we don't see people getting healed right away doesn't mean that we stop. We contend. You know, some of you guys have spiritual gifts. You have power, but you're suppressing it. You have, you have the gift of knowledge. You have the gift of healing, but you, you, just, you just suppress it. You don't, you don't use it. And I want to say that it's not good for you to smother your gifts. It's not good for you physically. It's not good for you spiritually. You need to operate in the gifts that God gives you. It says in John 7:37, whoever's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. 
When God fills you with His Holy Spirit, the right picture of what you see is the Spirit, He, he fills you with the Spirit and it overflows. And as it overflows, it flows out of you. It flows out of you like a river. That's the, that's the picture of God pouring out His Spirit upon you. The nature of receiving from God is to overflow and flow out. But if all you do is receive, 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 and nothing's flowing out, what happens to what you receive? It starts to get stagnant. It starts to start getting moldy. It starts to soggle. In Korean, it means soggle. And, and, and then what you receive, it starts to kind of like fester inside of you. And then all of a sudden, you start getting all doubtful and skeptical about the moves of God. And when you start seeing moves of God, you know, like, like yeah, I moved in that when I was in, in college, but you know, and you suppressed it. You just All of a sudden, you see it again, and you're like, man... I've seen that. Uh, that's, that's all. Yeah, I've seen that. But, it, you know, it's not real. But you have to keep contending for more. When you see power, when you see God using you through the power of the Holy Spirit, you need to contend for more. And if you've never been experienced God using you in this way, through power, through the power of the Holy Spirit, in healing, in miracles, signs and wonders, I want you guys to pray. And ask God to use you in this way. You know, we, we heard Pastor Mel when she came here to Seaside a few weeks ago. And she talked about the Indonesia trip. And man, there were some crazy things that happened in Indonesia. There was crazy signs breaking out. When I heard I was like, man, is that, are y'all, you making this up? This sounded so crazy. You know, but that's the God that we serve. You know, and, that, and that's what I'm talking about. It's a, it's, it's a supernatural thing. And it's not you, it's God. And he works it through you to f- perform this miracle. And you need to contend for the kingdom in power. And if you have seen miracles, you've got to press in for greater ones. Now, Pastor Christian, he's, seen, you know, he's, he's the, head, the lead pastor of our church along with Pastor Aaron. And he's, seen, he's been on many mission trips. And he's seen probably like you know, hundreds and hundreds of healings. But the one thing that he was really contending for was to see a lame person walk. He had never seen it. He'd never seen it. He'd never seen been a part of a ministry that it's happened to them before. And he, could, he would tell us, like, this is one thing I'm contending for. I would, he would always say before he come back, he's like, yeah. You know, and whenever he sees a lame person, he'll pray for them. And they won't walk. <laughs> but he didn't give up. He came, like, his faith never wavered. He kept on praying. And this past summer in the Indonesia trip, you know, through his spiritual daughter, Pastor Melwa, and the Indonesia team, he got to experience that because they went to Indonesia and there was this lady that was lame. She, wasn't, she didn't walk for years. And we prayed for her and she was just walking. She walked out of there. There's a lame woman and she walked out. She, they, people were like amazed. They're like, whoa, my goodness. How are you doing this? And she got up and she just walked out. Of, she, she was able to walk out of the, the revival meeting. And, and, and it came. There's a sign. You know, he may not have seen it himself, but it was a sign from God telling him that, you know, this is a, this is a sign of you contending. You contended for this, and this is why it's coming through your ministry. You know, and, and he's not going to stop there. He's going to contend for more. He's going to contend to raise the dead. It's happened, guys. People have been risen from the dead. You know, there's testimonies upon testimonies that. Limbs growing out. <laughs> Crazy things. Man. And, and you, know, you need to contend for more. When we pray and we don't see results, we don't give up. When we don't see healing, it doesn't give, it doesn't give us the right to say that God doesn't heal anymore. And we don't let our experiences dictate our understanding of the nature of our God. 
We contend. We go after it. We don't give up. And, and in that, we are contending for the kingdom of God. You know, if, if New Philly based our understanding of healing on the few times that we stepped out in faith trying to heal, then we would have none of these testimonies. And if we based our understanding of, of supernatural signs and wonders on the first time that we prayed for somebody and nothing happened, nothing will happen because we're just going to stop praying like that. Our understanding wasn't based on our experience. Our understanding was based on who God is. And God is a supernatural God. He's a God that works miracles, signs, and wonders. And we have to contend for that power. The third area I want to talk to you guys about in where you can contend for the kingdom of God is justice. The Bible talks about how the foundations of our God's throne is justice and righteousness. In any king that has ever lived on this earth, if he's a, if he's a righteous king, he's going to be concerned about justice. Now, you don't see a righteous king that doesn't care about justice. It just, it's, just, it's, what is that called? An oxymoron? Just doesn't make sense. But for you to, for a king to be a righteous king, he needs to be a just king. And he is all about justice. You know, when he sees all this injustice in this world, you know, he doesn't, he's not up in heaven feeling hopeless. Like, oh, all this injustice, what am I going to do? You know, all these people like being trapped in, in sexual slavery, what am I going to do? No, God is up there and he's pouring out his spirit upon his people. And he's saying, who will go for me? Who will go and fight this injustice? Who will go and battle what's the, the wrongs and make it right? Who will go shine my, my light into the darkness? Who will go and heal the brokenhearted, bind up the brokenhearted, and bring and proclaim freedom for the captives? And Jesus sees his people as an army that will go out and take down injustice. To destroy and dance upon injustice, like we sing today. That wasn't a that was a, I didn't plan that, but that wasn't a coincidence. I really didn't plan that, but you know, God wants us to care about justice. He wants us to contend for justice. It's very important to our God, and 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 we as God's people, it needs to be important to us. We got to go and contend for justice in this world, you know. And under justice, you can even put evangelism. I mean, like because. You know, if you have a Calvinistic view, which, which uh, a lot of us, I have a Calvinistic view, you know, you're uh, under the Calvinistic view, a person that is lost, if you're a Calvinist, is a person chosen, predestined by God, who's chosen to know Christ and to come into the kingdom of God. And for, that, for that person to go one more day without knowing his God is an injustice. So there's this person, he's, he's destined to know God. No, he, there's a person out there. Even if you're not a Calvinist, there's a person, and God loves this person. God is, has, has furious love for this person. But this guy doesn't know who God is. This guy doesn't know the love of God. This guy doesn't know the love of Christ. That's an injustice. So, so you know, when we go out and evangelize, that's us bringing justice into this world. Because it, it is unjust for these people to not know God. Now, It's an injustice that the lost person continues to wander without the knowledge and the love of God who loves him so so loves him and her so so dearly. And so when you go out evangelizing and you see some of those people that are so lost and so lonely, it's an injustice. Now I work at Sharkies, some of you guys know. I work over there at Sharkies and you know some there's times when I go and sit sit behind the bar 
I, I like talk to these people, and man, some of these people are so broken and so lost. And and I would talk with them, and they're sitting there at the bar by themselves, and they're there to to look for companionship, to look for someone that will say you matter, someone that will say, you, know, you you I love you. But I talk with them, and they're so deprived of of, of affection, of love. They're so broken. You can see just how desperate they are. And it's heartbreaking. And it's an injustice that they have to spend one more day not knowing that God loves them furiously. One more day knowing that God loved them so much that he, he sent his son to die for them. And then early on, I made the mistake of saying like, well, well I'm a pastor and uh, let me uh, talk to you about Jesus. And they'd be like, okay. Before the next words were able to come out of my mouth, their face would change. They'd be like, <laughs> change of the quickness, you know? And it, it's because when they hear the word pastor, it has so much connotations of judgment, con- and, and, you know, and condemnation. You know, just, just telling them that they're a sinner. But what they don't understand is the love of Christ. You know, so now I'm more like, I'm more like, like incognito. I want to build this relationship first. I want to make sure that they know who I am, that they, you know, that we have this mutual understanding, mutual trust, you know. And then after that mutual trust has been developed, and then they find out that I'm a pastor, you know, they'll receive it differently, I believe. So I don't tell people right away anymore. I remember that first day, that guy was like, "Ha!" <laughs> and he kind of put his beer away, oh so slowly. But yeah, man, it's an injustice when these people that are destined to know God, that they go on another day without knowing our Lord. Justice involves the modern-day slave trade. Now, right now, some of us, James right here, sorry we couldn't go yesterday, but they showed a, a movie called, uh, he rode down all the way from Busan, I mean, not from Busan, all the way from Seoul, him and a bunch of people, they did this bike ride from Seoul all the way to Busan. And uh, they were raising money for uh, to stop sex trafficking and the modern-day slave trade around the world through these organizations. And uh, last night they did a screening of Nefarious. If you guys have not seen Nefarious, I encourage you guys to go check it out. I'll try to get it somewhere and watch it. But it's a movie based on the, the modern-day sex slave trafficking ring that's going around all around the world. There's more slaves now than there were during the continental tr- slave trade back in the 1800s you know, when the Africans were brought to America you know, to be slaves. There's more. In, through the hundreds of years of that happening, there's more slaves now. And they're in these, and it's worse because it's, it's so much manipulation, you know, and, and it's so much witchcraft and so much evil things. And it's, and it's, they're losing their basic, like, you know, it's, 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 it's amazing. When you see this movie, you realize how, how, like, you, you get, you get amazed how that, how this can happen in this world. Because when I first saw it, I was like, man, like, like, I couldn't believe it, that it was at the, in this kind of scale, in this kind of global scale. You know? And, you know, it, justice, when we contend for justice, it's ending the modern-day slave trade. You know, keeping those girls from being tricked and forced into to prostitution and sex slavery. It involves, it, justice involves bringing an end to the concentration camps in North Korea. And praying in and, and pressing in to see this regime end. It involves stopping abortion and stopping babies from being murdered every day. 
Brothers and sisters, as God's people, we have to be the solutions to the injustice that we see in this world. You know, we live in Asia, and there's a lot of injustice that goes on here. And as His people, we need to be the solution. We need to be the one that are con- that's contending for the kingdom to go into those areas and establish the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. Our God is a God of justice and righteousness. You know, God's heart burns for justice. And as God's people, it needs to burn in our hearts as well. And when we're talking about justice, you know, you're talking about 15, 20, 30 years. You know, praying into something for 20 years. It's like a 20-year plan. When you when you look at sex trade, it's not going to happen. It's not going to end overnight. It's not going to end with a prayer meeting. It would be cool if it did. We're talking about you know 20-year plans of praying in and pressing in and contending for the kingdom. No, a lot of us we're going to be in our in our 40s. I'll be in my 50s. <laughs> but but it's contending and fighting. It didn't happen for William Wilberforce who stopped. The slave trade in Britain, it didn't happen overnight, but it happened. And for Abraham Lincoln, it didn't happen. It took a war. They had to fight a war. People had to die. But they paid that that sacrifice. They made that sacrifice. And it was a long-term, you know, a plan that they had to stop slavery in America. But it happened. It's not going to happen right away. It won't be easy. But in the end, it will happen. It's because when God's people contend for the kingdom... Those things aren't allowed to exist. When we rise up and when we start warring and when we start contending in the spirit for those things to end, in the, in the spirit realm, those things are outlawed. Those things are not allowed to exist anymore. And I want to ask you, who here will fight for justice? Who here will contend? Who here will make the wrongs right? And spread the rule and reign of Christ out in the places of injustice. And in these three areas, in your heart, you know, in your heart, in, in, in the contention of power, when you're contending for power and injustice, you know, I exhort you to contend for the kingdom. I exhort, exhort you, and, and, and these are just three areas that, it, practical things that I, I, I want to bring out for you guys to, to contend for, but, you know, there's things in your life that God calls you to contend for. You know, in your family, for salvation of your dad. For, for salvation of your family. For healing for, for a family member. You know, and, and these are things that God calls you to contend for. And just because you don't see results doesn't mean that you give up. Just because you prayed and you prayed and you prayed and you don't see anything, that doesn't mean you move on. But when you contend for the kingdom, our, our eighth core value, contend for the kingdom, it means that even though you don't see anything, your faith rises up even more. And you contend, you war, and you rage until you see God's kingdom established upon this earth. That is what it means to contend for the kingdom of God. I want you guys to close your eyes. And I want to give you guys an opportunity to respond to this sermon. I want you guys to search your heart. And right now, God is placing things on your heart right now. God is placing things that He wants you to contend for. He's giving things in your spirit that He's saying, this cannot go on like this. This, 
I, I, I've outlawed this from being, from existing in this world. And I'm placing it upon you to contend for it until it, until the rule and reign of Christ is over it and is, it, it exists no longer. God is placing things. He's placing people upon your heart. He's playing nations. Some of you guys, he's placing nations upon your heart. For some of you guys, he's play, placing causes that seem point, like pointless. It seems like, like it's never going to end. But he's placing it upon your heart. It's a burden that he's, he's giving your heart. And, it's, and it, you know what? It's not a burden because he gives you everything you need to continue to contend for this. He's asking you to contend for the kingdom. And I want you guys right now, if there's someone, if there's people in here that want to make a commitment to God today and say, God, I am going to contend for the kingdom in this area. In this part of my life, I'm going to contend for the kingdom. In this area of my, this stronghold in my life, this, this, this thing that I've been carrying for so many years, that this thing that I thought that I would never not live, that, that would all, I would always have in my heart, that this thing, this thing that's been festering inside of my heart, I want to, I make a commitment today to contend for the kingdom until it exists no longer inside of me. If there's some of you guys that are like, I want you guys, I want you guys to stand up. I want you guys to stand up. If there's people in here that God is placing people upon your heart, He's placing lost people on your heart for you guys to contend for them, to pray for them, to war for them, to rage, and to not give up for these people. I want you guys to stand up. And and for some of you guys, I see people. God's placing nations upon your heart. God's placing nation. He's placed a nation upon your heart. And it's a long-term plan, brothers and sisters. And he's calling you to contend for this nation. He's calling you to contend and fight and war for this nation until you see God's kingdom rule upon this nation. If there's one of you guys, God's placing nations upon you, I want you guys to stand up as well. I, and, and people that are standing, I want you guys to come to the front. Come to the front. And I just want to pray for you guys. Contending for the kingdom means not giving up. Contending for the kingdom means sacrifice. Contending for the kingdom means fighting and warring and battling until you see results. It's a mindset, brothers and sisters. It's a position of your heart. But God's saying, you have everything you need to contend for what He's called you to contend for.